Welcome to Musician. I'm your host, Andrew Lapau. Let's start the show. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Musician. Like I said in the beginning, I'm your host, Andrew Lapau. I've been doing this podcast since 2015. It is now 2019. We're on episode 37, I guess. 36, 37, something like that. Um, got, I've been in interviewing so many unique and talented musicians, people that not just play an instrument, but produce music, compose music, write lyrics, just all over the map. Um, and today on the show, I have Mike Ewing, um, an incredible producer, uh, born and raised in Nashville uh, and living here his whole life. He has produced um, so many, a variety of artists, uh, most notably Gladys Knight, who like who wouldn't kill to produce Gladys Knight, um, one of the best singers in the business to this day. Um he also produced uh, Meek Mill. He's a great beat maker. Um, and you can look him up on his socials and learn more about uh, Mike Ewing. Um, but it was great having him in the studio to interview. Uh, Mike and I met at uh, at like a beat. It was called a beat market. Um, a place where beat makers can, you know, play their beats for artists and artists can license the beats. It was really just a... A really fun hang and uh, local DJ DJ Rightful um, and DJ Coop, who I've also had on this podcast, they were uh, they were kind of hosting and and DJing. So we all got to put our our beats uh, in the systems and uh, got to play for other beat makers, rappers, um, and and all different types of artists. So it was cool meeting Mike and and then having him on the podcast. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mike Ewing. Enjoy. You're from Nashville originally? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Born and raised. Born and raised from Nashville, Tennessee, man. I love it. I love what it's become and I love what it's becoming. Um, just to see the changes from the ground up. Just not only in the music side, but as a city as a whole, I I'm mm-hmm. like in love with it. So That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm one of the few that love it <laughs> from the originally from the city. Yeah, so. that's not the yeah. uh usual response you get from a native yeah, of Nashville. Yeah. I think I think it's, it's progress happening, so <laughs> I'm with that. As long as mm-hmm. it's progressing, I'm I'm cool. Well, there is. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot more work for creatives mm-hmm. moving yeah. in. Yeah, it's yeah. also, but also at the same time, the cost of living is going up. Oh yeah, My, I mean, I live in the city, so mm-hmm. I definitely feel the struggle <laughs> of that. But hey, like I said, as long as we're progressing forward and yeah. getting money into the city, then I'm cool. That's cool. I'm cool. Yeah. Um. So, what was it like before 2012 as a producer like working here and then the boom happening uh well before 2012 i would say it was more along the lines like who knows who in the countryside of things Mm -hmm. and then like in the hip-hop world it was more on a few local acts who Mm -hmm. really were doing all the the work as far as being prominent hip-hop artists right if you say um, and then the R&B world, they, they kind of blended with the jazz world at the time back before 2012 with, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was just on the same bills, you know, like mm-hmm. they used to go on to see the same people. You know who was performing at night, mm-hmm. you know, but now it's like so many, 
so many different acts, so many different genres that have been created since 2012, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just it's just amazing to see even some of those older acts are able to still stay the test of time and yeah. perform with the newer people coming in who are, who are not familiar with Nashville or quote unquote the country scene you right. know not not no not as so far as the country music but just the country scene being in the south and stuff like that do you think that is because of all the people coming into Nashville from other cities other parts of the country that are helping to uh make the scene broader Oh, yeah, I think that contributes a lot to it mm-hmm. um, because it's now it's causing natives to adapt to uh, new sounds and, mm-hmm. and, and new characters, you yeah. know. So it's it's creating another another type of sound. I can't put a name on it, mm-hmm. but I know it's happening because you know I've been in these rooms and I've heard this this sound being crafted. So it's kind of like. People say melting pot. That's cliche, but I mean it's it's really what it is. Can you can you just describe the sound you're talking about? Like w- like give me like an instance. Like for when instance, you're in a room. like if you take a, a a traditional country writer and put them in a room with a pop producer, the, the it's going to give you a different sound than it mm-hmm. would if a country writer were with a country producer. Right. And sometimes you take a pop writer and put him in the the room with a hip-hop producer and you come up with another type of sound Mm -hmm. because some of those textures that were probably dead in their self and maybe a rap song or a hip-hop song they come to light when you have another writer or another mind just with the pen on their record yeah so so there's a lot more writers on on tracks now yeah yeah and a lot of the writers i will say this a lot of more of the writers are producing themselves you know like uh yeah um the writer of the um was it uh, Flo Rida, my house. Yes, he yeah. um, he's got the podcast, um, yeah. and the writer is, mm-hmm. and he just put himself all in the production, so he gets residuals mm-hmm. for like vocals and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you I, know, I know all about it. <laughs> I know all about it, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But and producers putting their own vo- vocals in the yeah, track, and, and 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 you can even see the the software industries adapting to the mm-hmm. shift because now they're making it to where. You can really produce an entire record from just sitting at home. Yeah, like all the tools are there for you, and they've minimalized the use of hardware. And you know, traditional producers, engineers, all that they they may love you know that traditional hardware, but a lot of times before it even gets to that, it's done ran through so much software. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's really no need. Everything is emulated. But I mean. I do love the traditional sound sometimes. Um, you know? Do you have any like, old gear that you really love? Oh, man. Well, my first beat making machine was not even a beat making machine. It was like like one of those old $300 Casios that you get from like Walmart. Oh, yeah. Or something like I, that. I still have one at my, my And we don't, we didn't have that many tracks to program. So it was like. I had to put all the drums on one track, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then I had to put all the keys on another track. And mm-hmm. it was it was funny to sometimes I would I still got the cassette tapes with myself because there was no other way to record myself mm-hmm. than cassette tapes. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I really didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But now that I look at it, like all oh, those same techniques I used, I've just tightened them up. That's all I've done. Um, I still have that keyboard at the house. Uh, I don't know if it turns on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if I got the even the adapter for it, the cord for it. But yeah, that's that's probably the only old piece of gear I own. Mm-hmm. Well, my Focusrite, my my preamp, I've 
I've been having that for a very long time. Oh, I mean, which focus right is that? It's the little uh, two two IE. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been two using channel. It. Yeah, yeah, I've been using that forever, man. Yeah, forever, man. It's never failed me. And it's, it's do you never... mostly work with like sound libraries and for your yeah, samples? Yeah, sound libraries. Um, mostly drag and drop wave files that I've accumulated from. <laughs> You know, sharing with other people, you know, just capturing stuff in the day if I'm walking around or whatever. And it's just, I just accumulate so many sounds and it's just, it gets to the point to where I'm just using them and using them and using them in different different ways from knob turning to, you know, bending them, reversing them, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, I, I had a, like a really crazy roundabout way of getting that Stratocaster guitar. I had an old MIDI keyboard that I traded for an MPC 2000. Okay. And then traded the MPC 2000 for a Telecaster. And then I traded that for that guitar. Oh, and man. it went from like a little like 48 key MIDI keyboard to right. that. And I was like. Hey, man. <laughs> that's how you trade up, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you trade up. That's, I, that's, what I, I, that's what I love about Nashville is yeah. the, the amount of trading that goes on with yeah. gear because everybody's willing to get rid of something to get something mm -hmm. and it's not like oh man i've had this in my family for 60 years no it's like something they picked up like okay yeah i'm, I'm done playing with it like let yeah, me get yeah. rid of it and get something i really need so yeah it's kind of cool yeah so um so you grew up in nashville and yeah. when did you start beat making production how old were you uh well you get into it i first started in the church being a church musician and that was when i was about 15, I started getting into it. And what'd you play in church? Uh, I started off on drums. Well, let me just give you a little background. Like, okay, southern, like southern churches, a lot of southern churches. Um, if you're a child musician, you also always start on the drums. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a thing, you just start on the drums. Okay, so I started on the drums, and then I was like, well, you know what, let me move to the bass. Then I moved to the bass, and I was good on the bass, I was okay, but I wasn't to where I wanted to be. And at the time, I saw the keyboard was like more attractive to me, so I moved to the keyboard. And since then, I was just keyboard on out. Like I just okay. stayed with the keyboard, learned how to play the piano, learned how to play the organ. Mm -hmm. um, never classically trained. Um, other, I had a little piano class in high school, but right, not like going faithfully to a class. You know, being trained how to play, and I just learned by ear. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then. Um, when I actually got into the production side is when I got that Casio. Um, I was about maybe 17 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and I was, you know, 17, you kind of just like, well, what do I want to do when I graduate high school? You know what I'm saying? Like, do I want to even go to college? Mm -hmm. Do You know, do I want to pursue? What do I want to pursue? And I, I just started to fall in love with just creating music off of the dome as mm -hmm. opposed to just listening to the music. Mm -hmm. And so I started to get into the... Okay, why does this sound do this? Why why must I plug this mic up into this channel and all that? So I started getting into the specifics of music. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this is really dope, like, just learning this stuff. And I started, you know, you know, you, if you're in, like, math class or algebra class in high school, you're like, oh, man, when would I ever use these type of numbers? And then I started seeing these numbers and music and you know like knobs and all this stuff i'm like okay okay mm -hmm. so i can use it and, and still have fun i got into that went to mtsu okay uh went to the the ram program at the time that's what it was called um is that like a music tech yeah music production and technology so mm -hmm. i went through that program and i got to meet a lot of people um 
that I still work with today, mm-hmm. like writers, some writers that I still work with today. Uh-huh. Um, and I met this one young lady. Her name was Courtney Eason, but she goes by Coco Corinne. And mm-hmm. she got me, She well, she brought me down to Nashville to see a a beat battle. <laughs> so I went down there, I checked it out. I was like, oh, man, these are some really dope guys from the city I'm from that mm-hmm. I didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. And this was around 2000, 2009, 2010. So at that point, I was like, man, these guys are really having fun making these beats. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a real competition in here. <laughs> and the <laughs> the battle was called a soundtrack beat battle. And I'll never forget it because it really just started me into taking production seriously. Where was that? You know? It was uh, held at the old Rocket Town. It was a oh, building okay. called Rocket Town. Uh, for like teenagers and they had a skateboard shop real right, cool right. place but it was originally um, on sec was it on 2nd Avenue it was somewhere it's like downtown like that 4th Ave 2nd yeah, Ave yeah that's area. where it is now it was okay. originally uh, where was Rocket Town originally oh I forgot but yeah. when it was originally where it was <laughs> is where we had the, the first one and so when the next one came around I said okay I'm gonna go on and get into it and my buddies from Murfreesboro and MTSU they was like yeah man you Need to go on and do it. Just go on and do it. What can you lose? So I entered it, and I won. And I, I, I was uh-huh. like, oh, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, because you know, as a as a creator, sometimes you you over overjudge your your work, and you get caught up into that whole like, man, is it good enough? What what does it need to be? And so I just took that step and won the beat battle, and then I felt like I just went into the beat battle world at that point, and then I was just beat battling here. Battles in Atlanta, Las Vegas, oh, California, cool. all these places, New York. I was even in a competition uh, with a company called iStandard, and they help a lot of producers and writers with getting their works into the hands of the actual artists that they want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had like a nationwide beat battle. And I finished off like number two in the whole entire country out of like, how was it, like hundreds of producers. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the winner of that actually went on to go sign with We The Best and Khaled. They were called the Mechanics at the time. Um, and so it was just, it was but right. That was like a team of producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a team of producers. Mm-hmm. But I was like, and it was crazy, that whole New York story. I was running late through traffic trying to get to the beat battle. I almost <laughs> didn't get called up. It was just a lot, oh, man. man. So I'm just And you were just going by Mike Ewing yeah, the whole time? Mike yeah, Mike Ewing. And that's, and it's it's just remarkable the the road I've taken to get where I am today and that beat battle, like people seeing my videos on YouTube, that's how I essentially ended up getting my first placement with MMG. Um, this guy named Ayo Ayo the producer, he uh hit me up. He's produced for Lil Wayne, Drake, um all the MMG artists basically. He's produced for Ty Dolla Sign, Jeremiah. He's just real really, really good producer. Yeah. And he um he saw one of my videos online of the beat battle and he reached out to me and we started sending files back and forth. And, you know, after about five to six months, I say working with him, he hit me up and was like, Hey man, we got one with Rick Ross. Uh And that's when I got my first placement, my first major placement. So is that the same as the, uh, my man? Yeah. Yeah. My man. And then when it came out, I actually realized that, Meek Mill was on it, mm-hmm. and and Rocky Fresh. I was like, oh man, I really got three birds with one yeah. stone, you know. <laughs> so, nice. so I was like, man, that's cool. Like, that's really cool. So at that point, I'm like in shock. Like, okay, what's the next step? 
So I just started creating and creating, like going harder than I ever did. Like, and I've always, I've always been the type of person to where like, I'm going to stick to my sound no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I can make it as clean, like industry standard clean, yeah. but I'm going to stick to the way I make music. And so I just started doing that. And then AO called me back again and we started working with Omarion. At the time it was called Care Package Volume 3, his uh, mixtape. We started working on that. And so then it just kept it just kept going. Like I just kept going harder and harder. And then uh, I met a guy named Symbolic One who goes by S1. He saw me at a beat battle, like mm-hmm. live at a beat battle. And I reached out to him after the battle, and I w- and he was like, yeah, man, I really want to work with you. So we started sending records back and forth. And then um, I think about after three to four months, he you know, said, hey, man, I want to sign you to my production label. And I looked up some of the guys that was with him on the production label. I was like, oh, I really have a chance. And mind you, this is the guy who co-produced on Best thing I never had with Beyonce. Mm-hmm. He co-produced Murder to Excellence on, you know, Watch the Throne. Mm-hmm. He's worked with Fifty Cent, that My Life record with Eminem. He's just done so much work in the industry. Right now, he's working with YBN, YBN Corday, and he's just been a huge influence on my production life as far as his mentorship and his advice on how just on the creative side of things. And where is he based out of? He's based out of Dallas, Texas. Okay. Dallas, Texas, yeah. And he is, he's an incredible person, man. It's like one of those few people you may meet in the industry that's just a genuinely humble person. Mm -hmm. I love him, love his wife, man. They just, they just the best people to be around, man. Even if I, even if I wasn't doing music, I would have wished to have met them. You know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. one of them types of, type of people. So, yeah, it's real cool. And from working with him, he called me one day, and at the time he called me, I was working with a artist named Vils, and Vils was based out of Miami, Florida, and he moved up to Nashville by way of our mutual manager named Al Lozano at the time, and we I was working on Vils' project, and Vils had a real like island meets hip hop type sound he was that he was doing, and I was digging it, and it was kind of the vibe I was on musically at the time, and so. While working with him on his album, S1 called me and was like, hey, man, um, do you want to come down and work on an album with me? And he didn't tell me who the album was for, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is, must be something big if he's asking me to come down to Texas, yeah. you know, because we've been just emailing. Right. So I get down there, you know, get to his crib or whatever, and he lets me know that the artist is Gladys Knight. That's, that's <laughs> I'm, crazy. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm like, Gladys Knight, like the real legend, yeah. Gladys Knight. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, like, uh, yeah, we're working on a project for. Her. And so I end up work, you know, going in another production room he had, and just like coming up with ideas because thankfully I had the church background, uh-huh. so you kind of have that soul. I kind of had that soul already in me as far as what to create. Uh-huh. And it was about two, three days. We were just creating, creating, creating. So you needed and, to write a song for, for Gladys? Yeah, I produced a song, okay. co-produced a song with S1 for Gladys. Um, was the song written or did you write the song? No, it was her? written by one of her background singers. Okay. His name is Avir. Mm-hmm. And he has a, he's a, like a gospel artist. Mm-hmm. But, um, He's real close to Gladys Knight. Like, mm-hmm. that's her background singer, her main guy. So mm-hmm. he came down like three days after we had started production and he started writing to the records. Okay. And before I left, he was like, man, I really think we got one. And a couple weeks later, 
it dropped and I was like, Oh man, that's yeah. cool. I have an actual record I produced on Gladys Knight. Yeah, it's one so, of the best singers on record in history. That's what I'm saying, man. So it was like it's a real achievement for me. Of course. You know, regardless of, you know, the numbers it did or whatever, but it's it's just Gladys Knight, yeah. man. It's Gladys Knight at the end of the day. And still to this day I work with S one, man. We got a lot of records in the works. Um and after that, me and Vils continue to work. Mars Vils. We continue to work, and now now he's out in L.A. He's doing major things, and I actually co co well, I produced, and he co wrote a song uh, for a Def Jam artist named Danny Lay, which is out right now, and it's called Blue Chips, and mm-hmm. she's she's blowing up, man. She's like everywhere, man. She just yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she she's gonna hop on the Rolling Loud festival. That that that. Um, roster just dropped today and she's gonna be on that man so she's doing really well and i met her a while back and i was like man we're gonna work together one day and then we end up working together (laughs) yeah so it's just been a cool ride man and i'm just learning learning as i go man and just trying to get better every day that's awesome yeah as a producer and all that man um and then you and i we met at the beat market yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. that was cool that was that was my first time doing a like a, a beat type of yeah, you know. Yeah, man, it's thing. it's it's a whole culture, man. Mm-hmm. It's a culture just for creatives, and yeah. a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people don't don't know about that, you know. But it's a, it's we have our own culture. We have our own little like underground thing going on, mm-hmm. and it was cool to see a lot of cats that I n- didn't even know were right. here. Like that's the first there, time I heard so your much sound. talent going on. There. <laughs> I, I had a blast. There was like yeah. s- just like listening and everybody being so supportive yeah. of each other. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And that's how it should be, you know. Especially on the creative side, even yeah. if sometimes the artists may be for whatever yeah. or disagree, I think all the engineers, producers, writers—if <laughs> we stick together, yeah. man, we ain't got to worry about nothing. You know, I, I think so, that's true too. There's yeah. no point in, in yeah. like beefing and in, in the production side of things. Yeah, like, like yeah, I don't understand that. There's too much like <laughs> there's too much static in the brain. Like yeah. you know, you just don't you don't need to like create drama right. with people. I, I also think that that's just for artists to do in order to like. Right. market themselves you know right 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 right, right. um but i do want to talk about your production style okay. like uh okay. so like my man okay did you for that track because i listened to that and there's a lot going on mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of like cool breaks mm-hmm. in between verses mm-hmm. and stuff did you do that around the vocal after the fact or did uh, you just kind of like create it and then have the vocal come back in Oh, well, that track was created before any vocal at all. Okay. So with the drops and all of that. So it was kind of like producers just kind of making their own song and in their head, you know, mm-hmm. and just doing the drops as they go. Uh, and that's typically how I work, mm-hmm. you know. And people see me working and be like, oh, man, you work really fast. Yeah. And I'm like, well, when I get into the song, I get into it. So it's kind of like... You know, if you listen to a Michael Jackson song, not to compare myself to MJ, <laughs> but you know how you listen to a Mike song and he hits you with the bass line and you're going, and right. then you're ready for the for the next part mm-hmm. because his writing is so good mm-hmm. and his, the textures he uses on his tones are so good. So it's kind of like you're excited for the next part. Right. So while I'm making that, I'm reperforming it back in my head. Mm-hmm. and So you're kind of like putting a vocal in it as you're making exactly, it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like, exactly. So that's kind of my stylistic way of creating. Now, sound choice and all that, that's a whole nother world. Like, it's really basically on what I feel will make you like, kind of be like, oh, I wonder why he used that right there. 
mm-hmm. but it works so perfectly. That's you know? what I thought. <laughs> well, I had that idea when I uh, listened to your Gladys Knight yeah. track. When the drums come in yeah. and it's like kind yeah. of off yeah. a little bit, yeah, yeah. That, that's that I can tell that's like your church background, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and gospel trap stuff. Yeah. Oh man, engineers they they have a love and hate relationship with me, man. Because <laughs> I'm always like over their shoulder, like just nudge it, just nudge it, nudge it. <laughs> oh, was that was that nudging? Yeah, yeah. The drums, nudge yeah. it, nudge it. Because yeah. <laughs> you know when you create, when I create and send it to the engineers, sometimes they think, oh, maybe this should be. Mm-hmm. Like right dead center on the line, mm-hmm. but I'm like, nah, man, yeah. just just leave it, you know. <laughs> well, if, yeah, if you quantize everything, everything's gonna sound quantized. Right. And right. Um, I think that's like what got me really into beat making was listening to the Jay Diller records, oh, and and like that's all just like yeah. micro shifts of right samples and right. I can listen to that yeah. all, all day. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what I, I I liked about that track is it it had that kind of looseness, but also like mm-hmm. crazy tight and right. at the same time. Right, 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 right. It's just the the feeling thing. I'm I'm all about the feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you use to? Uh, what's your DAW? Uh, my DAW is Fruity Loops, and I've been okay. Fruity Loops since three point five. I've never so <laughs> last time I used Fruity Loops was in high school. So I've and then I switched over to Logic. Yeah. Well, at first I took it as a joke. <laughs> you know, like, and you know, some people to this day still take Fruit Loops as a joke. But if they would knew, if they didn't know how many tracks are like number one on oh, yeah. charts because of Fruit Loops, yeah, I like, can imagine mm-hmm. most hip hop singles are Fruit Loops. Right, right, right. And I don't know if you remember, it used to be a game on PlayStation called Music Generator, MTV Music Generator. Mm-hmm. That's really what when I first saw what a doll may look like. And some of the beats on there, you're like, oh, my God, where do these techno beats come from? <laughs> but it's like you're just trying to you're just trying to make the best of what you had at that point. But I really love that program. Then that, that led me into mm-hmm. Fruity Loops. Does Fruity so. Loops come with an 808 sample pack or you just have to kind of have that in? I'm going to be honest with you, man. Most people that use Fruity Loops don't use anything stock Okay. on Fruity Loops. It's all just right. a, it's, it's, it's essentially it's just a sequencer. That's all a lot of people use now. I have used a lot of stock free loops like effects and things like that, but mm-hmm. man, most of all of our sounds come out of <laughs> external flo- folders, and, right? And right. Plugins and all okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what so. do you like to use for uh, samples or libraries? Um, I used to be a heavy Nexus guy. Hmm. I used to be a, uh, I'd collect all a bunch of Nexus packs and all that stuff, but I kind of shifted to this. This plugin called Serum. Hmm. Uh, it's it's real popular in like the EDM world, mm-hmm. but I've been you know using it and using filters and reverbs and all that kind of stuff to kind of put it into the urban like hip hop pop kind of you know vein of things. And it's a really good plugin. I mean it it's a it's a pretty big plugin. Serum, <laughs> yeah, Serum. It's, it's like not, a, it's like a synth. Yeah, yeah, it's a synth emulator, but it's mm-hmm. it's not as it's not as big as Omnisphere, which is Omnisphere is it's huge. Like, it's yeah. huge, and I, I've used Omnisphere a couple of times, but Serum is just gives you that raw sound. Like you like, I don't know what this sound is. Yeah, like, yeah, but I like it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of like out of music. You know, like mm-hmm. why do I like it? But I like it. So <laughs> I, I always wanted to get Omnisphere. I've got the Stylus RMX. From Spectrosonics, that's really awesome for drum packs and and loops and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I want to get Omnisphere. I've been using the Arturia synth collection. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. A buddy of mine, he has uh, the Arturia, the whole mm-hmm. shebang, man. Yeah. I love going in there and just making yeah. music. <laughs> like, uh, it, yeah, and it's also kind of like, I mean, those those original synths are like just thousands upon thousands of dollars to get an emulator. And, yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's killer. I know folks with them, man, and they... Their sounds come out super, super clean. Like, you could tell the difference. You can't tell the difference. That's where I think the hardware comes into play, you know? So you're like, saying you can? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course yeah, you yeah, can. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> trust me, if I have the opportunity to work yeah. with a Moog, man, I'm yeah. going to do it, you know? <laughs> but it goes to show that you can still get, like, huge tracks and placements and, and right. tracks on radio without yeah. that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I would love a wall of... Oh man, Juno, Moog, oh man, Prophet, uh, Jupiter, all this yeah. stuff, man. So, yeah, I know you're getting me off into the hold of <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's how you make your sound futuristic, yeah, and electronic, and right, right, yeah, right, right. You gotta keep like, yeah, building your own sound yeah. with those things. That's why I always give an ode to the '80s, man. Like in early '90s, like some of those sounds underrated yeah decade yeah and i'm like <laughs> hey man those sounds contributed to a lot of things that's going on right mm-hmm. now it, so. you, people are still using the same sense from yeah. the 80s yeah 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 <laughs> it's like you got to get your your like outboard gear from the 70s get your right. sense from the 80s get your right. guitars from the 60s right right and then you have like a massive oh yeah top of the line studio. yeah you definitely do <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants their record to sound like the 70s man but yeah that was the cleanest i feel like Mm-hmm. record sound I think that was when people really figured out the potential for a recording studio yeah mm-hmm. um, and Absolutely. you know before the digital thing took over right right but, right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. so what you got uh, Emma coming up on the horizon um, just continue working man I got a couple of artists that I'm working with um, a lot of uh, local artists I'm working with one is Mario Dion and he uh, he actually comes from East Tennessee but he lives in Nashville now um, he's been featured on Ron Gilmore album. Ron Gilmore is a producer for Dreamville. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a couple tracks with J. Cole, but Mario is one of his, you know, artists. But now I'm working with Mario. Um, it's going to be a big project, man. It's, I'm excited about it because I've been knowing this guy for like only like four years, four maybe five years. Mm-hmm. But I've seen him progress from you know just being a, a new guy on the scene to creating his own sound, his own vocal. So I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm also still working with Vils, the guy mm-hmm. I told, mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. He's working on another project. It's, it's going to be super, super dope. I already know it is. Still got some work coming with Danny Lay. Um, I'm doing some other work with uh, another local artist. His name is Petty. He's he's real dope. He's is he like, he's local? Yeah, local. Mm-hmm. Local, local yeah, national artist. Yeah. yeah, he's he's cool. He's yeah. real cool. Uh, recently just did some work with KB. Still got some more work with KB. He's an actual local artist. Cool. So really just getting behind trying to create help create Nashville Nashville's hip hop sound rather. Yeah. So so that's that's kind of my mission. It's still at the same time doing what I got industry wise, but yeah, that's that's part of the mission, man. Um, what do you see like how do, how have you seen the Nashville uh hip hop scene grow from since the beginning since you know you've been around it just really more more artists with different perspectives of how nashville is Mm -hmm. you know um 
I remember listening to artists like Starlito and right. at the time he was all star and uh paper, city paper, um, who else? Quanti Cash, right. Young Buck. Mm-hmm. Those were like our guys, yeah. you know. And then now it's a whole fleet of new guys. Yeah. You got people like Mike Floss. I've I've worked with Mike Floss. Mm-hmm. Um you got people like shoot, Petty, the guy I mentioned. You got people like Trapper Mandel. Yeah, he's uh, killer. Yeah, you got people like uh Lil Half a Key, um you got people like uh, Lil Bree, who's killing it right, right. now. You got um, um, 615 Exclusive, right. who just recently did a huge deal with Empire, man. No way? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. He yeah. was on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's he's dope, man. He's he's really dope. Um, you got the, the gods who are over there at Metro Center, Diamond Sound. They're doing their thing. They got records with, with Cardi B and people like that. Mm-hmm. And then you got... Oh man, you got Six Sense, who was from Nashville, who's just killing the charts, like with Drake's camp, and he's killing, mm-hmm. you know, with Khalid. You know, he executive produced American Teen with Khalid, so that dude is dope. Six Sense, you got Duncan McFly working with Dreamville. You got <laughs> Ron Gilmore, who's from Nashville, who's working with Dreamville. So it's just a lot of guys that, at the time, probably felt like. At least I felt like at the time, like back early 2000, like, dang, what is Nashville going to do? Mm-hmm. But now we're out there. Mm-hmm. We're out there. Yeah. Killing it, man. In all in all facets of it, man. Yeah. So it's just like being a part of that is the next thing. You know, right. that's, yeah. that's the future. So, so yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's what awesome. I got going, man. And I'm always open for working with new writers. Yeah. What a fresh sound, you know. As long as the sound is fresh, I'm I'm willing to. Who what what would be like? A, a, I know you got to work with Gladys Knight, but what would be like mm-hmm. a dream artist that you would work with? Man, that's a that's a tough question, man. Um, just specifically on a record, or just a writer, or just like who who would you like to produce a track for on on a record? Who? Well, I mean, we all have. I mean, of course, I would love to produce for like Jay Z or yeah, Beyonce yeah. Okay. or someone like that. That's fine. Yeah, uh, I would love that opportunity. But um, currently, man, I, I really, I really dig Ty Dolla Sign, man. Okay, yeah, I really dig him, man. I like his writing style. I really like his writing style. I would work with uh, this uh, this writer. Her name is Esther Dean. I don't know if you ever heard of her or not, okay. but she's really, she's really dope. Like her writing style is dope. Um, I would work with. I would like to work with Rihanna. Okay. You know, if I could, you know, if uh-huh. I had that opportunity, I'll knock it out the park. <laughs> At least try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going down swinging if I come down. <laughs> um, but really, anyone, man, who's who has a fresh sound and is ready to to take music to the next level, because I feel like there's endless levels to music. Mm-hmm. So as as long as we're trying to see them all, then I'm ready to work. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, why don't you tell uh, my listeners where they can find you on the internet, how they can keep up with you? Uh, you can find me social media, uh, Instagram at the Mike Ewing. Um, that's the Mike Ewing, T H E M I K E E W I N G. That's where I post everything that I'm working on. You know, all sneak peeks, trailers, all that type of stuff that I'm doing. That's really where I do all my, you know, social media contacts and stuff like that so yeah or you could just randomly see me in nashville <laughs> <laughs> yeah where, where can uh where can people see you um i work all over nashville you can see me walking into walgreens <laughs> you can see me uh, <laughs> leaving a target parking lot i don't know man you do like, any like beat 
beat uh, competitions or anything? Uh, no, the beat marker was kind of like the last yeah. thing I did, uh, yeah. and that was just to support uh, DJ Rifle. Oh, okay. Yeah, like he was a homie from way back, so I just, you know, I owed him one, came out and supported, man. That's cool. And a lot of my other homies were in there that I didn't know right. were going to be performing. So, yeah, but I mean, I work out of a studio over in Metro Center called Diamond Town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I work from there from that time to time. Um, got another studio, uh, Understone Records. I work with them. So there is uh, a recording studio in Diamond Sound? Yes, yes. Uh, well, I, the rooms I, whenever are Whenever I'm there, I'm always hearing like beats coming through a door. Man, the rooms are converted into studio rooms, mm-hmm. and, and some of them are still like rehearsal spaces. Right, right. So, okay. You know. Yeah, but yeah. Those beats that you probably heard going through there was either me or... My friend uh, uh, Killer Music uh, is over there. Uh, the gods are over there, um, and it's just it's a lot of guys doing work over there, man. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, cool. so yeah, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you having me, man. I'd like to thank Mike Ewing again for coming on the podcast. It was a great talk. Everybody, go check out his beats. Go check out the work he's done with Gladys Knight and with Meek Mill and with Danny Lay and all the artists that he's been working with. Uh, super talented producer Um, and yeah got a lot more great guests coming up in the weeks to come so thanks for listening everybody see you next time